Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. This is our Friday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary Hall of Fame boxing writer, Jack Hirsch. We're live on Roku TV, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other places that I can't remember sometimes because we are on so many. Welcome to our show. Today we have on our guest, uh, Byron Williams, our NFL analyst. We've got a couple big stories to go over with him, some big signing news. Uh, Keith Angle, we'll talk about the Patriots, we'll talk about the Yankees, and anything else that he thinks is relevant to being on the show. I don't want to hear about his his uh, his personal drinking habits where he goes out all the time with his wife and drinks at the the, uh, the little brewery he goes to, which is great pictures, but I, I don't know if it's you know relevant to the show, but maybe we'll even talk about that a little bit. Pags, the Philly sports guy will be in here covering Philly sports and things that he does uh, as, as opposed to charity and appearances he makes. Pags is all over the place. So good morning, viewers. Jack, a lot of sports uh, always in the news, especially this time of year. Oh, of course, Mac. I mean, it goes around the clock. Uh, it makes me think of what the comedian Dick Cavett said years ago on his show. He wasn't the biggest sports fan, but they asked him, was he? He says, yeah, yeah, I like to watch the games, and then I might not watch a month, and then there's another good game you can tune to. It goes around the clock, but we love sports, and we can't get enough of it. Not at all. So the NBA brackets are set, Jack. There's a couple – uh, games, unless they've changed in the last couple hours, that haven't assigned a time to it yet. Of course, we know uh, the Suns will be playing New Orleans and Miami Heat will be going up against uh, the Atlanta Hawks. The games I know for sure times, um, you have tomorrow, you have the uh, Dallas Mavericks versus the Utah Jazz uh, in the, in the uh, West. Um, the East, you have the Celtics versus the Nets at 3 p.m., the 76ers versus the Raptors at 6, and the Bucks and the Bulls at 6.30. So let's start with, the. even though they don't have, last time I checked anyway, a time. Um, is there any way you could think of that the Pelicans beat the Suns? Let's get your, your, your mic back on, buddy. Mac, the Pelicans are playing the Clippers in the uh, oh, so the, the game first. That's right. That's right. Right, right. They, yeah, yeah. And the winner has, and the winner advances, and they get the eighth seed. Okay. Yes. yes my bad. Right. Been, right. 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 So that's and that's going to be an intriguing game. You know, Minnesota, the Timberwolves were criticized heavily for how they celebrated when they beat the Clippers couple of nights ago and uh and the clippers walked off the court very very dejected as if their season was over but the season's not over if they win this they get the eighth seed then they play phoenix i mean i don't i don't give them much of a chance there but they can still salvage the season technically it's not over and they and it is a home game for the clippers but if they deflated after the loss of the Timberwolves, my feeling is the Pelicans go into L.A. and they beat the Clippers. Mind and then you got, I'm sure you were going to follow up with the other play-in game tonight, the Atlanta Hawks against the it's Cleveland bad. Cavaliers. The right. Cleveland Cavaliers just lost to the Brooklyn Nets. The Hawks won their first play-in game by beating Charlotte. 
And I think Cleveland beats the Atlanta Hawks tonight. So I think that mm-hmm. ends Atlanta's season. That ends their run. Keep this in mind. Cleveland got off to a terrible start against the Nets. They were down 20 points early. That basically was the game. But then they played fairly well the rest of the way. I think they get it done against the Hawks tonight. So one home team wins. Cleveland beats the Hawks. And I think the Pelicans go into L.A. and beat Clippers. That's my I think, I, I think the Hawks beat Cleveland. I really do. I think I think that they're just on a roll right now. I think the Hawks beat Cleveland. That's why I said the Hawks will be playing uh whatever. But uh we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Matt, about, one win in a row to you is being on a roll. I mean Matt. They, I, they, looked, they looked really good, Jack. Against Charlotte. They did. They, they really looked good, good against Charlotte. And Charlotte's not Charlotte's not nothing to write home about, but they look like they look like shot terribly, Matt. Yep. Lonzo Ball and on you know, Terry Rosier. I mean, they shot terribly that team, Charlotte, and the Hawks shot well. That was the difference. Yeah. And I think I, I just think I think the Hawks will be Cleveland. Uh, you think Cleveland? That's good. That's good. We got a we got a difference of opinion there. Okay, so when you get to when you get to the uh, the uh, Celtics and the Nets, I want to talk about quick. Uh, I see the Celtics winning that in six games, Jack. I see the Celtics beating the Nets because I'm going to tell you I've seen a number of net games where Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant played really really well that game. And they didn't completely dominate, you know, in those wins. Not completely dominate. And let's face it, when Durant and Irving are playing just about their best game, you would think the Nets would blow out the opposition. But yet the opposition has hung around throughout the season. And you got to beat the Celtics four times. I just don't think so. I think the Celtics have a better bench. There's, you know, there's more of a uh, team chemistry that I feel the Celtics have. And as far as firepower goes, you know, even though an edge goes to Durant and Irving, Tatum and Brown come, you know, somewhat close as far as firepower goes. So yeah, I, I like the Celtics to prevail. I like a seven-game series, though. Tatum is a, Tatum is a beast against the Nets. They, they yeah. haven't been able to stop them all year. And I don't expect the next to stop him in the playoffs. Dallas against the Jazz, Jack. I really don't know. I don't know what to think of this game. I think either team could win this. I think the Jazz, of course, they have they have some really good players. Uh, I think maybe, maybe that uh, uh, Cleveland has a a better chemistry. I I, I think because Jazz goes up and down. Yeah, I Dallas. Would, yeah. yeah, Dallas. Sorry, their their chemistry. I think it's a little bit better, um, but the Jazz has have have the star power. But I still don't know who's going to win this. So will chemistry win, or will will the will the uh, talent of the Jazz win? Jack? Mac, you a- ambushed me last Sunday unexpectedly when you had Jim Jeff called on. You asked us for our picks in advance to these series if the teams are going to play, and you asked me who I picked between Dallas and Utah. And without fully analyzing it beforehand, I picked Utah to win. And I did it partly based going back to last year when they really had an outstanding team. They faltered a bit in the playoffs. And I was doing it based on reputation and all. But I thought of it afterwards. And I've got a flip-flop on the pick. I'm going with Dallas to win. Uh, and I'm, so I'm reversing the pick there. 
Uh, there's a bit of a concern with Luca having a strained calf, but reportedly he should be okay and ready to go. And you said it best a moment ago. It's just chemistry. It seems to me Utah doesn't have it. Yeah. It seems as if they've checked out. I know individually the players are putting up decent numbers. You know, Donovan Mitchell is Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert has all these great defensive numbers on rebounding. And just the chemistry in Dallas seems to be better, you know, better. They seem to be more ready. They seem to be more primed for the playoffs. And they've had a better second half of the year than Utah. And they have home court advantage too, Dallas. So, I mean, I've got to like Dallas in that series. And I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm even going to call it in five games. Wow. Okay, I think it's going to go a little quicker than we, you know, think. But we'll see. Maybe it will be a long series, a seven-game series. But I'm reversing one way or the other. And I'm liking Dallas over Utah. But if Utah gets over Dallas and they play really well, they could be dangerous the rest of the way. I heard, I've heard i heard rumblings about uh, the players against each other somewhat in there. Yeah. And I can't have that going to the playoffs. The 76ers and Raptors, this is interesting because, one, of course, they're going to play in Toronto. And, two, the Raptors always give the 76ers fits. They seem to match up against them, Jack. I think the 76ers pull it out, but I think it's going to go to full seven. Yeah, you know, the Raptors are playing better than mm. the 76ers, but the 76ers are better than the Raptors as far as personnel goes. It's going to be a tough one. It's a difficult series to pick. Like Once again, we go back to the word you used a little while ago, Matt, chemistry. Toronto's had wonderful chemistry this year. They've max, maximized their talent. No one can say Toronto is underachieved this year. No one can say that. But you can say that about the 76ers. But now it's the playoffs. James Harden says he's ready. Can they turn the switch on? I kind of feel they can. And, and, and I, I go along with you. I like a long, bitter series that's going to go down to the wire. But one way or the other, I got to feel Embiid and Harden are going to get the sixes over the top. Tobias Harris, Maxi, the other guys are going to play well. I got. It's hard to pick against the 76ers. They actually say they're going to lose. But it's going to be, you know, it's going to be nip and tuck with the Sixers finally prevailing in a decisive seventh game. That's the yeah, way and we you know, focus in. And, you know, you know, I expect Maxi in game seven to be the one that comes through for him. That's just, you know, he's done it a couple times this year, and they'll need that third player to beat the Raptors. Um, Bucks and Bulls, you could call it a sweep. I call the Bucks and five, Jack. Yeah, what does it matter? Four or five games. I mean, the Bucks are better. They're going to win. You know, had this series taken place early in the year, it would have been a toss-up. I mean, what happened to the Bulls? They were great early in the year. And then they kind of just leveled out, and they're just like another team. And even their own fans are booing them on their home court, are very unhappy. And the Bulls looked like they were – of all the teams in the NBA, the one that was most on the rise early in the year, and they kind of just flattened out. And the, I mean, the Bucks are just 
point blank better. And yeah. can the Bulls grab a game? I mean, I'm going to go with the Bucks in four, but listen, the Bulls can easily grab a game. Maybe they can win two games. Oh, but when all said and done, I mean, the Bucks are just better. I, I, you know, the Bucks are not only talented, but they play together like a team. You know, Mac, there's a school of thought that the Bucks tanked their last game because they rested all their regulars, which they were entitled to do to fall into the third position in the third seed. So this way they would play the Bulls instead of the Nets. Yeah. And let's face it, the Bulls are less of a threat than the Nets. Agree. And is that becoming of a champion? But then again, can we criticize uh, what they did, what the Bucks did? I mean, if they want to rest their guys for the last game of the regular season to get ready for the playoffs, it's hard to be critical of that, too. But let, let's be honest about it. They didn't mind losing that last game and being the third seed because now they're going to have an easier time against the Bulls. Their, their series against the Bulls is probably going to end earlier than the next series against the Celtics, meaning the Buck players are not, are not only going to have less of a threat in this round, but they're going to have more rest in the upcoming round. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you, Jack. I I I think they they did not play their starters. If they won, they won. If they don't, eh, they didn't. So I don't think there was much of a worry in that last game. And NHL scores, Jack. The teams are jockeying for seedings and wild card uh, slots. The Blues beat the Sabers six to two. The Senators beat Boston three to two. Tampa Bay over the Ducks four to three. Detroit three. The Hurricanes nothing. Toronto beats the Capitals seven to three. Pittsburgh beats the Islanders six to three. The Wild beats the Stars three to two. The Oilers, the Oilers, over the Predators four nothing. Chicago five, Sharks four, Avalanche three. The Devils one. The Knights beat the Flames six to three, and the Canucks uh, beat the Coyotes uh, seven to one. Uh, it's important the Knights almost went out if they want a shot at getting in the in the playoffs, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I think the interest now is which teams can <clears throat> make the playoffs, which, you know, which are battling for the final playoff spots for the wild card positions. Uh, it was something that was thought-provoking that Carter mentioned when he was on our show yesterday, a hockey analyst. Uh, we were talking about the Colorado Avalanche having the best record in the NHL in the last 20 years. It's been like about 20 years since the team with the best record in the NHL won the Stanley Cup. For some reason, the team with the most point totals always seems to get tripped up. So even though it's a matter of pride while it's taking place, oh, we had the best record in the NHL, you know, at the end of the day, it evaporates because that team doesn't win the Stanley Cup, you know, in just about all cases. So it yeah, it's crazy. Really that's crazy i mean it's like a curse almost right now somebody's got a break and somebody will eventually jack maybe i'm gonna tell you mac don't go to sleep on the rangers they're gonna be tough to beat they're yeah i mean that great goaltending there's a lot of teams out there they're gonna be tough to beat jack rangers of course being one of them let's get a boxing real quick uh you know tomorrow night I, I wouldn't call it a huge uh title match but it is a title match 
with two very good fighters. You have uh, your Dennis Ugas. He knows he's the underdog. In fact, he's a five-to-one underdog. This is his big chance, Jack. If he can beat Spence, they got to start thinking of him as an upper-class welterweight, right? They, there's no longer oh, he, he beat a, a has-been, uh, you know, when he when he got the champion to that title belt, I should say. Um, you guys comes right at you. He's not scared to mix it up. He's going to trade punches with you. Spence, of course, is the highly touted welterweight. They think Crawford and him are the two best. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think Ugas has a legitimate shot? Uh, you know, he's not going to back away from, from Spence. Does he have a, a legitimate shot, in your opinion? And, folks, Jack and Frank will be doing a watch-along for this title match tomorrow, 11 p.m., for the title match. So I know you 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 probably don't want to go in having preconceived notes, notes notions because you will be scoring the fight, but you got to have a feeling. Do you think Ugas has a shot? Mac, of course I'm going to give a prediction. It doesn't matter. I could objectively score a round because I'm picking one guy to win. I mean, no, 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 Jack. I've heard things. I mean, God. the whole idea is making predictions. What am I going to say? Oh, I don't know. I hope it's a good fight. I Right. Well, both guys are going to give it all they got. I mean, of course, <laughs> that's what I'm here for, Mac. Right. Analyze and give right. a prediction what I think is going to happen. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're not sure. But in this fight, you got to go go with Spence. But they're always intangibles, Mac. Uh, Spence has fought once since he was in a horrific car accident. He was thrown out of his vehicle, traveling too quick. And he's lucky he didn't get killed. You know, and you wonder, is he ever going to be the same? Now, he did fight Danny Garcia after that, scored a good win over Danny Garcia, very a quality opponent, beat him by decision. And now he fights Yugas. The specter of Terrence Crawford is hanging over Spence. <clears throat> that would be the biggest fight in boxing. If Spence beats Yugas, clearly... That's the fight everyone wants to see Crawford and Spence. We've wanted to see it for a while. And the reason it hasn't taken place outside of promotional differences is because Spence has had an indifferent attitude. Unlike Crawford, who's wanted to fight, Spence has kind of been avoiding it. Let's be honest about it. He's been saying, well, I deserve most of the money. You know, they could work something out. It's really a 50-50 fight. That's what the purses really should be. Because even though Spence holds more belts and he could say, my opposition has been a little better, guess what? Crawford is ahead of him on every pound-for-pound list. So if Spence wants to truly be a superstar in the sport, if he wants consideration as the number one fighter pound-for-pound in the world, Go out there and beat Terrence Crawford unless he's not so sure that he can do it. And I question his confidence level in that regard. With that said, Spence just seems to be a little too quick for Ugas. Ugas is a wonderful fighter, beat Manny Pacquiao in his last fight. But Ugas's thing is he's so technically sound. I mean, he works so well off his skill level but he's not that quick. He's not that flexible. He's not that adaptable. He was just quicker than Pacquiao. It was the right style. Ugas came forward. Pacquiao came forward. Ugas was just a little sharper with his jab, with his hooks, just a little better, a little more youthful than a 42-year-old version of Pacquiao. 
you know, even though it was a good version of Pacquiao, it wasn't the Pacquiao of old. It was partially an old Pacquiao as well. And I just think Spence is a little too fast, a little too adaptable. He'll win a clear decision over Ugas, eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three. I don't think there'll be any knockdowns, that type of fight. And now we can start talking about Crawford and Spence if the fight can be made. Again, there's promotional differences because uh, Spence's promoter, Al Heyman of the PBC, he might not necessarily want to match Spence with Crawford. He might want to match him with Keith Thurman, who's on the contract at the PBC, because these promoters like to keep their fighters in-house fighting one another because it's better for their promotional entity, for their business, than an outsider knocking their fight off unless the money's so great. Sometimes things can get worked out, and hopefully it is after this fight. No, Mac, it's not a lock. Spence more likely than not is going to win, but Ugas is alive on the dark. I'm going I'm to pick Ugas in an upset. I think I'm, I don't, but and the way he's going to have to win this is wear Spence down. So Spence gets a little slower, and that's the only way I can see him doing it. I think he'll do it. And see what happens. It should be interesting, Jack. Backstage right now, we got NFL analyst Byron Williams. A couple interesting stories to hit him with, and we'll see how Byron's doing today. Good morning, Byron. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, great. How you guys doing? Doing excellent. I love your jacket, Byron. Uh, speaking volumes on who your team is, Byron. Let's get right off the the the, the uh, rip to the Snyder. Cooking the books, uh, you know, story that's come out. The Congress has been, you know, has been looking into him. He's had a former uh, person that worked there uh, testify. Uh, he was cooking the books when it came to uh, giving the visiting teams percentage of tickets to the NFL for their revenue. And there was another story about him ripping off his own fans. But let's get to the let's stay with the revenue. The NFLPA has not said anything that I'm aware of yet. And this revenue that he got from these uh, ticket sales that goes to the NFL does affect the salary cap because it would be included into the calculation. And if this affected the salary cap, making it lower than what it could have been, the NFLPA will probably say something. They haven't yet. What's your what's your thoughts on this, Byron? Have you heard anything? Uh, do you expect to hear anything from the organization you work for? Uh, we haven't heard anything from the NFLPA side. I'm pretty sure you're gonna be probably handling more with the commission side and and the, and the owners because it's profit sharing with the owners, as well as um, you know that that ticket sales is pretty big. It's a big factor that goes into the pot. For teams that don't get uh, full stadium sales and things like that, and um, and he's been doing it for a while, so you know it sounded like he had two books that he was uh, presenting, and um, this could be a death a death case for him and the Washington team uh, for us get putting that team up for sale. I think. Yeah, but you don't think the NFLPA will say anything because again, Byron, this would affect the salary cap. Yeah, the NFLPA probably gonna say say something because uh yeah it's you know it's, and teams are 
trying to sign players and keep this free agent market going the way it should be. So it affected quite a bit of things. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure the NFL PA going to have something to say about it. But up how, to this point, <clears throat> we how, have how, how about Byron? Do you think the end? I would expect now, I might be wrong, but I'm normally in the ballpark when it comes to this next steps. Mm-hmm. Congress may start asking all the NFL teams to open its their books to see what else is going on. I think the NFL uh, expects this to happen. With the NFLPA, I mean, we know what the NFL, the NFLPA, we know their numbers. They don't hide the numbers. The owners do. Do you think right. the NFLPA might get involved in that too, saying, hey, listen, we, for once and all, we want to see what you guys really make. I think that I think that they should. I think it should be very open and transparent. Um, you know, when you open up your books, I mean, I just left the NFL PA reps meeting and everything is open. I mean, if players can go and, and get these numbers and see see the numbers as well as, you know, making sure that it, the revenues are shared is, is equally, you know, trans, transferred to, to all representing parties. So it, it affects everything. And, you know, all these teams right now, and Giants is one of those teams that's having a salary cap problems. You know, we're trying to sign players that they need to try to get signed. So it affects a whole lot. So, yeah, it's part of the equation. It's part of the problem. And I think you, I think Congress or somebody probably going to step in and, and cause it more open and more fair for everybody that's involved in the, you know, in the operational side. Yeah, I, I, I believe that. I believe that the NFLPA is going to get involved very shortly. And I do think Congress will demand that all the NFL teams open their books. And I'll tell you, this is this is a very serious thing. Um, I, I imagine the NFL is really nervous about this. And uh, I, I, if Snyder ain't gone by the end of this year, I don't know what's going on over there. That's you know, this has a potential to be ugly because if the owners decide they want Snyder out, the commissioner – you get the feeling Snyder's not going to go easy. He's going to try mm. to dirty them up. And it, this story is just going to get bigger. So in a certain sense, maybe the NFL wouldn't mind kind of squashing this the best they can because the repercussions, you know, we might not, this might just be touching the surface, what mm. we see right now. Yeah. yeah, and I'm pretty sure this kind of came out, seeped out a little bit about three weeks ago when they had the owners meeting. You know, and um, that's why, you know, in the offseason, a lot of things like this, you know, pops up and the conversation goes because this is really, you know, the the big part of the operational side of, of everything, you know, and these owners meeting and players meeting and things like that. So a lot of things are being, you know, being shared and, and you know, you know, you don't, you don't skin, skin the books and try to hide numbers when, when it's supposed to be open and transparent. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Let's get to the Tom Brady issue, all right? Um, the NFL may be interested in the tampering between Miami and Brady, the backdoor trade. Um, in the Flores lawsuit, the first part of his complaint was that the owner, this goes back to 2020, 2020 um, Byron, where they wanted him to meet an unnamed quarterback on a yacht, and Flores refused. He said, I, w- I don't want any part of that. So if this is true, which signs point that it is true, right now from what I'm reading and all the reports I read, that means the first part of the Flores lawsuit is true. 
that this happened. So it may add validity to his lawsuit, number one. And number two, Tampa Bay isn't worried about it anymore. They might have been uh, before when Brady, if this happened and Brady did leave, I think Tampa would have gotten involved in it. I think it's a reason why Arias moved out too. I think he knows what's going on. I mean, if you just follow the, the bouncing ball, things start making sense. So, yeah. so if Brady was offered this, which it looks like he was, Flores didn't want any part of this shenanigans because he knows it's tampering. And if they are going to hire uh, Sean Payton, of course, that violates the Rooney rule. I mean, yeah. this, this could be a huge story. Now, Jack's complaint about this whole thing is that if Flores got his dream job of the Giants, this would never happen. Maybe. But the reason why these stories come out, just like with Washington, is because yeah. an employee gets fired. The reason why we know about the, the, the Washington football team is because Friedman got fired. And he's the one that was dealing with the books. And if Flores gets his job, maybe he doesn't say anything, but he didn't. Right. And now he's making it public that, you know, this happened. So they did name Brady the quarterback on that yacht. So this can go back as far as 2020, Byron. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of stuff is coming out. Uh, and, uh, you know, the owner of the of the Miami Dolphins, you know, he's a big Michigan Wolverines fan as well, uh, Stephanie Ross. You know, him and Brady have been, been close all the time. So it goes back to, you know, these owners trying to get the people in you know, on these teams and involved with their teams. And um, so all this stuff is coming out here recently, and it's, it's, it smelled like, a lot more is going on behind the scenes and, and things are eventually coming out. Everything that you said seemed to be coming out as um, some things that was affected, uh, some outcomes. And, you know, they want to get maybe they want to get Tom down there and be a part of the ownership of the other Miami Dolphins. So, yeah, this has been a big week in, in, uh, in these stories. And and that lawsuit, uh, you know, will reveal a lot of things that was done, you know, behind closed doors, trying to lose you know, trying to lose games when you're supposed to try to get draft choices and things like that. So it's a whole lot of things that speculated that going to come out that probably going to be really, really bad. So, um, and then we talked about this earlier, you know, the owners, they need to be a little bit more transparent. And, you know, it's one of those private clubs that nobody knows all the details about. So it's it's getting really, uh, getting really exciting to see what's going on. Yeah, Byron, shame on you. I could understand Mac not getting it, but you, you don't get it. I there mean, come go. on, let's be honest about it. Brian Flores is coach of the Dolphins. He wants to win. If the owner says to him confidentially, I want you to meet Tom Brady on the yacht, we could get him to quarterback. Brian Flores would say, what time you need me to be there, no, boss? He's going to run there. He wants to win. If he could get Tom Brady as his quarterback, don't tell me he's turning down a meeting. Oh, Any coach is going to run there for, for Tom no, Brady. You can't, you, can't get Tom Brady as, you can't get Tom Brady as a quarterback. He's already under contract with the Bucs. How, how, how can Tom that happen? Flores isn't thinking of the ethics there. He's of course thinking, he is. Well, 
he, you know, his owner's working out a deal to get Tom Brady, but just meet him down there. Obviously, Tom Brady can't quarterback the Dolphins unless he has a contract. That's obvious. But he wants Brian Flores to meet Tom Brady. And you mean to tell me Brian Flores knowingly is going to turn down a meeting with Tom Brady? That That's ludicrous. He did. Well, well he did. Was, but I, I don't. I just don't he didn't like. Know it was Tom Brady? Of course he did, Jack. Of course he he would have been there if it's of Tom Brady. He, he probably let, me ask, let me let let me ask you a question, Jack. All right, let me ask you a question. If you were working for any big sports organization, and say you were the main piece or the the person in charge of this on the field, any sports organization, the owner says to you, "Hey, listen, I got this star player." He's under contract with somebody else, but I got him and we're going to have a meeting with him. You're not going to fear the repercussions of that meeting. You're not going to fear for your job, for your livelihood. Of course, you're, I love, I'm loved that your microphone's off. You're not going to fear that you're going to get caught up in a scandal that may cause you your job. It's the owner that's initiating the meeting. The You're coach still is involved. not going to get penalized by the league. Well, he for will. Meeting. He it will. would be the owner. As far as the coach is concerned, it's on the contract. Listen, if I'm a coach and any superstar, if I have a chance to meet with LT on the side during, you know, I'm going to meet with LT. Darn it. He could be not on my become team. A Jerry Rice. These are super you, players. Then Jack. Then Jack, when you get caught and you're you're and Ed, you know, you don't have to murder somebody to be charged with murder. You just gotta know about it, not report it. Yeah, be a part of it. Be a part of it. And so, another thing too, another thing right. too, I I just think too, coaches don't like to lose games and no no supposed to lose games. I mean, when you ask me to, to take a dive and start losing games, I mean it affects your record, it affects everything, it affects your next job. So I mean, football. I ain't well, well, we're assuming the owner asked Brian Flores to lose games. I don't believe that. Well, well, he's, he's not saying lose games. So far, Jack, if this looks like it's true, because the NFL yeah. is not getting interested. If he he he, yeah. he asked the guy to lose some games to, to get yeah. some draft choices. I mean, if, that's what he said. I mean, I, I'm not that's saying what Brian it. Flores is saying. Right. right. I'm not saying it's true. What I'm saying is. When you get to the point where you got to ask your coaches to lose game to get some draft choices, I mean, I I just I'm don't want to ass- work for you. I want to hear from the assistant coaches. Was their game plan messed up? The coordinators did they do anything but try to go all out to win? The, I mean, the thing I'm interested in, Jack, is this gets proven, which I I, I almost can guarantee it will. That means the first part of the lawsuit is true that Flores filed. That gives validity to the rest of the lawsuit, whether you like Absolutely. it or not. Absolutely. That gives validity to it. Because it, why would he lie about this and 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 or not lie about this and lie about this? We're gonna see this to me is very interesting. And yeah. and of course it's gonna, it's gonna develop as as the year goes on. Let's talk a little and- bit about. Let's talk a little bit. Okay, sorry, Byron. Sorry, no, Byron. I was just saying they and they, then they had a mixture of, of bringing in Sean Payton, which was another coach that was coaching for the for the Saints. I mean, it was a lot, it's a lot of things in that mixture that didn't sound that sound really really bad for the owner of Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be interesting to me. 
That Question. really looks bad to try to bring in Sean Payton as your coach. Oh, it makes him look bad. Sean sure Payton, does. come on. It sure does. Yeah. It sure yeah. does. He's under contract, and that has nothing to do with the Rooney rule. Byron, Sammy Watkins signs a one-year deal with Green Bay. How big a sign is that for Green Bay? And to piggyback that, Green Bay has two picks in each first two rounds so they have two picks in the first round two picks in the second round this is the most uh picks green bay has had since 2002 yeah so Watkins goes there uh that gives an experienced wide receiver with with uh with rogers and now they got a boatload of picks do you see wide receivers in that mix too oh yeah and plus this is five it's it's five to ten good wide receivers in this draft that can come in immediately and be effective and, and bring you know bring some impact to the game for the team. And I think, you know, I think that's great because Sammy Watkins is a very experienced player, great player, um, solid, great leadership on and off the football field as well. And everywhere he's been, you know, he done brought, you know, um plus all pluses and positive things to the to the team. So I think that's a good pickup for Aaron Rodgers and and that's they make good uh, make the receiver course a lot stronger for sure. He's 28 years old, Byron. I mean, he came up as an elite receiver. In fact, the Buffalo Bills gave an extra number one draft choice the following year to move up. So basically a two-for-one to get Sammy Watkins originally. His NFL career got off to a good start, but it's kind of stagnated injuries or whatever other factors. But at 28, can he become elite? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I think for a receiver, I think once you hit that 31, one, 31 age um, um, market, you you know, I think he still got three great years that he could be top of the top of the list in the top five receivers easily. Um, being twenty eight years old, no no doubt. I think it's a great signing for Green Bay. I really do. Uh, yeah. You know, to to kind of fill a little void there, and with the draft coming up, as you said, there's a plethora of wide receivers out there that Green Bay can go after. And in fact, four picks in the first two rounds is, is unbelievable for the position they're in. And of course that came from trading their uh, all-star wide receiver to the Raiders. Um, Sad story. Heard it before. Um, and and you, when you come on the, the show and even on your show, you talk about leadership in the locker room, mentorship for young players, um, how many meetings they go to, how many scheduled things they go to, to talk about that you're now in the NFL. This is what you've always wanted to do. There's certain things you've got to stay away from. And I imagine one of those are old neighborhoods and old friends because they can bring you down. Uh, the defensive back for the Dallas Cowboys, Keith Joseph, is a, is a main person of interest in a Dallas shooting and murder. Um he says he was there, but he wasn't part of the shooting. A video shows him and some of his guys versus the victims guys getting in a fight. Byron, you know, this is something I know you dreamed of, many players dream of, to make the NFL, to start in the NFL, to be part of a very, very small percentage of athletes who get there. Why can't these Younger guys, let go, turn the page, get away from them friends that, you know, they hung out with in the hood when they were in high school or, uh, you know, wh- what is it that drives them to go back, Byron? I mean, 
Is is is, is they're just that immature? Yeah, there's a lot of factors, but yeah, immaturity is one of them. But so, sometimes, you know, uh, some of these players feel like they owe these guys something, and you really don't. And and you you got to you got to separate yourself from from some of the things that you know that these guys want to get into. And going to those types of events, you know, ain't number ain't number more negative things gonna happen. So I try to talk to a lot of these guys and tell them, hey man, you got to change everything, everything that you do, people that you. Uh, you 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 uh, you befriending uh, you and friends with, but you can't go back to these same old traps. Ain't nothing gonna change in those those areas. I mean, when you go back to your hometown, you know, um, you know, nothing changes. I mean, the, the red lights and the stop signs are still there, and you got to look up at all of these warning signs in your life. And I try to tell these guys, unfortunately, you can't get caught up in going to these different places, these same places, and thinking something else will change. Nothing changed. It's nothing. It's, it's bad intention. I mean, you know, going back to my hometown, I had a guy that tried to try to fight me and stuff for for no reason at all, just because you know they just want to target you and you are a target. And if you don't if you don't think that way, then you setting yourself up for a big you know big surprise because things like this gonna happen time and time again every year in the off season we get this information and these stories about players getting involved with this that and the other and. It's sad that you know these guys still haven't learned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, listen, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, sometimes I think a player should just stay in the city year round for the team he plays for. Let's say he plays for the Buffalo Bills, just stay in Buffalo year round. Find an indoor facility, you know, to work out because you know you go home. It's the temptations, the old friends, and all. I mean, they expect something from you because now you're doing much better than they are financially. Yeah. And they feel they want you to share the wealth. Meanwhile, they're not the ones sharing the hits. They're not right. the ones getting banged up. They're not the ones getting up early in the morning. They're not the ones making the sacrifices, but they want you to share everything you know you have. And it's uh it, it's really bad news, but it's hard, it's easy for us to say. But it's hard for a young person, especially those who've been deprived their whole life. Now they have some money. They want to treat their friends. They want to take them out. They want them to have a good time. But at what point does it stop? You know, it's got to be a cutoff at some point in life. And the sooner they make the cutoff, the better. So the easier. it's hard not to go home. But that's the best course of action. Just don't go home and stay year round, whether you're in Green Bay, Cleveland. Just, you know, just stay there, you know, basically and keep away. But uh, they're young. One yeah. thing easy to say when you're older like myself. But th- but that's a great point. And, and, and some of the things, uh, decision making and, and things that you have to decide early on, you got to say, hey, this is what I need to do. But that's a great point. I think a lot of teams need to stay in the city that they're playing for, or either go to a location where, you know, uh, go to a, a good training facility in the off season and keep yourself busy and maintaining this, this excellent level of, of talent and, and, and being able to play and get invested, uh, doing some things in your life that going to really value you, you know, five, 10 years after you leave the game of football. So those are some of the things that I try to talk to. I talk to a lot of players and let them know that, you know, what we deal with, with retired players, you know, it's very important to set yourself up for you and your family for 10 years, 20 years down the road, because five years after you leave the National Football League, 
they dropped your insurance. You got now you got to pick up your in, your own insurance. So things like that, these players need to know more about to educate themselves on how to prepare themselves for 20 and 30 years down the road. You know, I th- I think is too, Byron. I think the confidence that they have in themselves is not as well as somebody who's played in the leagues for a long time. I mean, anything can happen in NFL. We know you can be cut, you can be injured, and then you're back home. And and maybe they want to keep those, you know, those options open back home where they can go back. But I still I think you got to make new friends. You got to turn the page, make new friends, be part of the community you play for. It's like everything in life, right? When I got married, I lost three quarters of my friends because we don't share nothing uh, in common. Right. And nothing in, in common anymore. And if I was to do that, I sure wouldn't be married uh, for that long because it's just a different situation. And it's hard. It's, it is hard because you care about these guys and you have relationships yeah. with these guys. But they just want to have fun and do what they do. Uh, more than what you want to do, and you kind of give in to what they do. And it's I've seen it so many times, even with the Giants, where they're just wrong, uh, around these friends, and their friends want to take advantage of their money and their stardom. Uh, and and it, the family's the same way, Byron. I know some family members that when you get big, all of a sudden the phone starts ringing you that you haven't heard from these guys in years. And it's, hey, cuz. Great job. I'm glad you made the NFL. Guess what? I need blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it's like, I haven't heard from you for, for years, man. What, yeah. what are you talking about? But they do feel obligated because it's their family. Well, one of the things that have helped me was, you know, I married my high school sweetheart. Um, you know, I go back and do a football camp there every year. And, you know, I, I, I try to stay, you know, a little bit family focused. But my friends, I know what friends do this and do that and all that type of thing. So I you know, you have to make this, these choices where you have to separate yourself from these uh, these these people that not not good for you. And you kind of can get a feel for, you know, this guy's like, can you invest a little money in my idea? You know, everybody got these ideas. So. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to you have to stay focused all the time and you have to make some decisions on. Hey, I you know I could speak to everybody, but everybody's not your friend to speak to you. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Uh, not this next Friday, Byron. I want you to do a little homework because I want you to give us your two first round picks for the Giants. We're not going to debate it with you because we're going to carry it over into the Sunday show. You're not on our Sunday show, okay. but I want you to give us your two giant picks for the first round in the draft coming up. And it's not just because you like them, not just because what everybody says. Yeah, I want you to sit down, check out the with the Giants, uh, what's being said, where do you think they need to improve the most? Should it be a, you know, should it be a, a player that can be a dynamo or should they go and try to strengthen certain parts of the team? So next week, Byron, Jack's yeah. not going to argue with you, I promise. I won't let him. You go ahead and you give us your two first-round picks for the Giants. Well, eliminate just one name because realistically he won't be there for the Giants when they go number four. Hutchinson won't be there. Yeah. Everyone else might be there, but the Hutchinson won't. So that's the one name leave out because realistically there's no chance he'll be there for the Giants unless they somehow trade up, which is doubtful. Absolutely. I agree with that. All right, Byron. So we'll see you next Friday. Uh, Check out Byron Williams on J&B Talking Shop. 
every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Uh, pay attention to his posts because he does a lot of work with the underprivileged uh, kids, and uh, he supports his community really well, and he is always looking for help in those areas. Byron, thank you for coming in as you do every Friday. Always a pleasure having you. Thank you, guys. Hey, happy Good Friday. You guys have a great weekend. And then happy See you next Easter. week. Happy Easter to you, Byron. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care, buddy. All right. So there you go, folks. Our NFL analyst, Byron Williams, who next Friday will be giving us his two. Happy books. Passover to Mac. We got a happy Passover to our Jewish viewers. Happy holidays to everybody. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah. This is a big time of the year for a lot of the religions. So whatever you're celebrating, whatever religion you are, uh, in enjoy being with your family. That's what it's all about when it comes down to the end of it, uh, us getting together and being together for special occasions. Folks, we're going to take our first our first break for today. On the other side of the break, Keith Engel will be in. We'll talk a little bit about the Patriots, a little bit about the Yankees. Yes, I will harass them a little bit more because that's what I do to Keith because I love him so much. Um, and uh, Anything else going on with Keith? I mean, he's got a lot of things, a lot of a lot of sticks in the fire. So, but mainly we're going to talk about the Yankees and the Patriots. Folks, stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages. When the job is done, this guy will be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. How do you handle a hungry man? The man. One of the manhandlers is Campbell's Vegetable Beef. Gets a man-sized supper off to a good hot start. Mmm, good. The manhandlers. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Cheetos presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos. Then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack that goes crunch. It's not easy seeing cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese that goes crunch. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, 
visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say, 'Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B O L O G N A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? If you talk, and they will hear you. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. Again, happy uh, holidays or Easter week or Passover, whatever you celebrate out there to all the viewers out there uh, from the different religions. Again, to me, it's all about being with your family on on any kind of uh, important day that you hold dear in your heart, and it's all about family. And uh, so whatever denomination you are, uh, happy holidays to you. Uh, We just had Byron on. And I want to continue on that a little bit till Keith comes in, Jack. Were you ever in a position where, you know, you got, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a famous writer, whether you acknowledge it or not, you know, you are, you're big in the business and you get a lot of requests. I would imagine from former friends for different things. And do you ever just draw the line? I mean, do you ever just say, listen, man, you know, I, I help you out once in a while, but I'm not your golden goose to give you stuff. Not in these words, but I'm not the guy that's going to give you everything just because I know you. Do you ever get in those kind of discussions? Oh, yeah. It's happened a number of times, even with other people in the media. I remember once and he was a, a nice guy. I look back fondly on him today, but I helped someone break into the media and I would get him some opportunities and initially initially i didn't think he was grateful for what i did so i kind of 
cut it off because every time I would do something for me, one more and more and more, and it would actually, even if it would cut into my own domain, you know, I kind of remember that. And you have people asking you for tickets all the time, you know, for stuff, which is okay, but sometimes you can't, you know, I can't accommodate them because of the position. I mean, I can't call a promoter and say, can I have a couple of tickets for a friend of mine? Because let's say the promoter does that. He accommodates me. Now I owe him. It's yeah. a conflict of interest. I, so I don't get involved with it, you know, that way. And uh, so there the number of times, yeah, I've had some, you know, once something was hinted to me by an agent, some money could make its way to me. I kind of brushed it off completely. I didn't want to know from it. You know, I made it clear. There are ways you could fall into kind of like a trap, you know, in, in a certain sense. And, uh, you know, it's a question of the ethics. Boxing isn't a sport with as much ethics maybe as the other sports. Stuff goes on in boxing that would be frowned upon in other sports. And I'll just give an example. The amount of fighters who tested positive for steroid use, clearly not speculation, the hard evidence is that they took it and they were suspended, yet they get inducted into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, no questions asked. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Some of the great fighters, you know, who tested positive before, Canelo Alvarez, I'll name one, tested positive. He says it's tainted meat, fine. He could say what he wants in that regard, but no one cares, it seems. Okay, yeah, he's really number one pound for pound and no repercussions, and that's boxing. You know, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. There's there's no organized commissioner of boxing like in other sports. So uh there's no set set rules. The guys kind of have rules that are there that you kind of that you're supposed to kind of follow, but it's nothing set in stone like other sports that have commissioner and have certain rules. And if you, you violate these rules, there's a punishment. Um, you know, we, we see we see that all the time. You know, you know, Jack, you know, I never had that big a deal. I've had friends come up with me about, you know, having their kids play more or something like that uh, on the teams I coached. Uh, but again, I never. Uh, gave into that either. I, I played the kids who, while how I thought they should be played and when they should be played. Friendship had nothing to do with it when it came to the sport itself. Uh, and if they didn't understand that, then it was just too bad. And they're really not my friend. So, uh, you know, I, I guess it happens all the time in different ways. Uh, but you got you, you to gotta think about what you're doing, um, you know, when you're doing things, who it affects and how it affects you and, and the people that – you know, that are around you. And, and sometimes there's tough decisions you got to be made, especially, especially when somebody finally gets their dream to play a, as a professional athlete. And then, you know, you just go down the wrong road for a guy you knew back in high school and remained friends with you because he kind of sucked onto you because of your, your, you know, your prominence and your popularity. And a lot of times that's what it is, right? I had a, a, a buddy of mine who was a great high school football player, like he was all city, never quite went to the NFL. He had family issues, so he had dropped out of college. He always told me, we were very close, that if he ever did make it to the NFL, he would have taken care of all his friends. And I'm thinking, really, 
I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. If someone has been a lifelong friend since you've been four years old and you've been practically inseparable your whole life, you're super, super close with that one person, I could understand you treating him like family, like he's a brother, because this person genuinely loves you and would be there for you no matter what all the time. But, you know, these guys have multiple friends and, that, you know, they expect things from you. I yeah. mean, it, it's just, you know, it's human. Listen, it's human nature to an extent. I have one friend we're extremely close from when we were kids. He's extremely well off financially. And when we go out to dinner, so on, I offer to pick up the check my shared times and he brushes me off and I give him one of those. Okay. Because <laughs> I know a snap of the finger, he, you know, he wants to pay it. He can afford it so easily and he enjoys paying it. So I don't give him a big argument. I pick up the check once in a while. He lets me because he sees he wants me to save my dignity in that sense. But listen, but that's light stuff. But I would never come to him and say, oh, you know, I could use another car. You know, I could use this. I could use that. You know, he's my friend. That's what's a true, true friend. Yeah, that's a true friend. That's a true yeah. friend. No, so, I know. I think of David Beckham, the uh, soccer player. When he played, I think, for the uh, Galaxy in the United States, the first time he met his teammates, his teammates had him under the microscope. They wanted to see would he pick up the check when they all went out to dinner, all, the whole team. And one of the other players said, I wanted to pick up the check. That's not what it's there for. We should all pick up our own check. But even in the case of superstar coming to a team, you know, to his new team, he's making a lot more money than the others. The other players expect him to pick up the check all the time because, oh, you're making this fortune of money. So in a sense, they're using him in a sense. Just because he has more than them, it doesn't mean he should necessarily, you know, cover the amount. We have Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk. Hey, Keith. Um, And and, and I I brought Keith on without announcing him. A great show, TGI Sports. Uh, great guests, great interviews. Keith, I, w- I, w- I want to get your thoughts on this too, because to me, it's a it's a huge story about young players who, you know, can't leave their neighborhoods. Right? We're talk we're talking about the Dallas Cowboy cornerback, um, who who just got a is a person of interest in a murder down in Dallas. Yeah. Um, you know. He, He's he was he was part of it. He might not he's a person of interest. He says he's not involved in the shooting, but he was there. And there's videotape of him and his buddies against the victim and their buddies fighting a couple hours before the shooting. And then he's at the shooting. I mean, I understand you got friends from way back when who've probably been hugging on to you because of your your stardom. And they expect you to come back there in a way. Or they try to guilt you into doing things because, hey, you know, we were hanging out with you're too big for us. I mean, I, I I hear all these things. And some of these young players, no matter how much the sport tells them, don't do this, turn the page. Uh, they have, you know, meetings with, with the NFL or the MLB or what, whatever uh, organization you're with, and they warn them about this. There's some kids that just keep going back, man. Well, I agree. There's it, Listen, Aaron Hernandez on my team is a perfect uh, example of that. I mean, he obviously had some issues going on 
you know, psychologically as well, but he, as much money as he had, he retreated back to his old neighborhood, uh, you know, posse, uh, for lack of a better term. And you know what led, you know, I'm not saying that led to what happened with Aaron Hernandez, but it certainly didn't help the fact that that's where he was spending his time. Allen Iverson, another example, right? He, you know, he didn't get in as much trouble as, as we're talking about with these two examples, but you, <laughs> these guys all gravitate back to the roots and it's hard to understand. And I think you're right. It could be some of the peer pressure um, that they get from the guys they grew up with. Uh, you know, you're too big for me now, but these hangers on are also getting paid by these guys just to hang on with them. You know what they're called, Keith? They're called security. Yeah, they give well, themselves a title, but they have no experience in security. They have no clue. Yeah, they get, you know that the person they're protecting has to protect them so they don't get in trouble. Yeah, it's just a just a title so that they got you know some justification for collecting money for whichever guy we're talking about, whether it be Jordan or Hernandez or Iverson or, gosh, hundreds of other guys. Right? We're concentrating on a couple guys, and I'm sure this is very prevalent. Because so many of these athletes come from such a you know a poor background, and and they want to go either they want to go back or they feel uh, guilted to go back or whatever it is and help their old mates out you know and it's it leads and, to too often. And in the end, Keith is not help. It's just kind of them saying, "Hey, I don't feel I'm better than you. I understand where I come from." But yeah. when you, when you go back to something like that. Uh, give you examples. Suppose you're Keith Joseph and you're hanging out with your friends and all of a sudden there's a big fight between this. And this. I mean, I, I don't know what you're thinking, but you got to be thinking, I got to get the hell away from this because yeah. if I don't, I mean, it could affect me being an NFL player. So, I mean, if you're a Dallas Cowboy GM, what do you do now? I mean, do you cut the kid? Do you, do, do, I mean, this, if he isn't responsible, he's part of it and get charged just by being part of this. Yeah. Um, what do you do as a GM at Dallas now? It's very, it's a very difficult position. I mean, until he's found guilty, it's hard for them to do anything, assuming he's found guilty, right? Well, he said he was there, Keith. He said yeah, he was there. It's hard to believe he won't be found guilty of, of something. Um, but still, it's well, I guess you're right. I mean, again, there's moral clauses in all of these contracts with with, you know, whatever sports we're talking about. So the Cowboys would likely be justified in doing whatever they wanted. But they faced a backlash of, of of X amount of their fans who, you know, let's face it. The NFL's got a bunch of fans that are in that market that we're talking about, too. So they face backlash there of, of people going out and buy merchandise and don't think those things don't come into consideration when they're talking about these things. And it, it's really sad. And that's why the, 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 the NFL has got to do a better job of vetting guys and their characters and what they're likely to do once they have the money you're about to pay them. I don't know about that, Keith. You can only go so far. Take the case of Pac-Man Jones. Okay. He was bad news. His friends were bad news. Someone in security in Las Vegas, they got shot and paralyzed by one of his friends. Yeah. He wasn't found guilty directly of anything. He would, And then when he went to the Cowboys, they had security watch Pac-Man Jones, and he got into a fight with his own security. Finally, Pac-Man Jones knew his NFL career was going to come to an end, so he started calling himself Adam Jones and managed to disassociate himself from the people around them, and he kept out of trouble and had a full NFL career 
And this isn't to say he was the best guy, but he had enough sense to at least take control of his life at some point. Well, that's commendable for sure. But, you know, maybe you should think about that sooner before the trouble happens. And again, my what I, the point I'm making before, though, Jack, is there's too many cases. And again, I'll use my own team. If Patriots knew what they were getting in Aaron Hernandez, he had the same type of behavior at Florida. I mean, he was not an upstanding citizen. They knew there were character issues there. They knew that he was still tied to the thugs in his hometown. And yet they took that leap anyway. And, and, and LT had issues. LT had a ton of problems. So yeah, but, but now it wasn't a, shooting people and stuff. No. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Keith. Listen, Lawrence Phillips, we had they had all the red flags about no. him, and they took a chance him when he went sixth overall in the draft to the to St. Louis. You know, these teams aren't surprised. I guess my comment about them doing a better job of vetting them is wrong because they do that job and they know what they're getting and they still do it anyway. And, you know, th it, that's what's got to stop. And maybe kids will think twice, you know, as they start to progress towards an NFL career or whatever sport we're talking about, they'll think twice about how they structure their lives as they head towards that professional career and not, you know, be have the hangers on. Dragging hey. Sometimes it could be with your friend. It could be a nice, peaceful night. You could be with a few guys, and one of them could do something stupid, like in the bar, just happen to hit another guy. Yeah. Even though you have nothing to do with that, it comes out of left field. You don't expect your friend to do that, and all of a sudden it becomes big news, and you're implicated, and it's and your reputation gets tarnished. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's hard. it's hard when you have these conversations too. They're, sometimes the conversations are difficult to have because when you take a when you take a stance against guys going back to their neighborhood, it turns into a racial thing as well, right? So it's easy for me to say that that he shouldn't go back to where he grew up. I go back to where I grew up, but you know, it, it's a different place than where they grew up. I understand that, but you know, until we're comfortable having a conversation, this won't change. Um, and that's sad because a lot of lives, a lot of really uh, potentially good lives get ruined in, 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 in the interim. And we've seen it too many times. There's a lot of cautionary tales. You mentioned Lawrence Phillips. You mentioned Pac-Man Jones. Now Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Hernandez. And now, you know, this situation and the kids, they don't seem to learn from the history of others. Well, Alvin Kamara, what's going on with his situation now? We haven't heard the NFL speak up as far as any penalties. He had a pr pretty serious incident with his friends yep. out in Vegas. Yeah. And again, the NFL, the NFL doesn't do a good enough job, in my mind, of the character situation in the NFL. And Look at as long as they're making billions of dollars and people don't seem to care, then it'll probably continue. No, Keith, I, I would knock the NFL. There's so many players. If one percent act up, I mean, is it is it really the NFL's fault? Maybe well, it's the colleges. If they let these guys, I was, I was the university and they get into problems. Yeah, I was, just, I was just going to go over Jack. I think by the time they get to the NFL, it might be too late. That's a good point. No, you got a good point. I think. Well, I think. I think maybe. Instead of treating them like superstars and rolling out the red carpet for these guys and making them feel they're better than anybody else, maybe this is where they got to start grabbing. And maybe the maybe the college football uh, universities should get a lot more involved in this and 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 have more input 
on changing their lives around because they're leaving from their home right to college. Hey, listen, you got to turn the page. You can't be doing this. I mean, maybe this is where uh, there should be improvement because I know they, they listen. They have all these meetings. They have all these uh, all these mentors come in and talk to them when they get in the NFL. But, you know, maybe it's too late then for some of these guys. Maybe they just don't get it. Um, no, being, and again, Aaron Rodgers is a great example. That Urban Meyer knew what he had. He knew what he was. Aaron getting. Hernandez, leave Aaron <laughs> Rodgers alone. Aaron Rodgers is a troublemaker. I told I you, mean, that. leave Aaron him Rodgers. alone. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is a again. Boy, I okay, want to turn, so, I want to turn him into a double murderer. Apparently, let's hey, let's get away. Let's get away from that. So. Real quick, before you move on, real quick, your comment about mentors. I mean, there's where the NFL can do a better job. Don't bring in, if you remember the incident with Chris Carter uh, five or six years ago where he was speaking at the uh, uh, indoctrination, whatever you call it, of rookies coming in. He talked about how you need to have a guy in your posse who's going to be your fall guy. Yeah. That's not how you want to mentor these kids, right? I mean, That's a great idea. Wow. You just <laughs> came up with it. No, no, serious. I never thought of that. Why can't a team hire a full-time mentor like a retired player to hang out with a rookie, let's say a young man who has a troubled past, and that's part of the deal. He has to hang out with his mentor after practice. Maybe they share an apartment or whatever, and he hangs out with them like all the time, at least in season. Just make sure it's the right mentor and it's not Chris Carter. That's all. I mean, you know. So, so Keith, let's, let's push out a little bit. You mentioned the Patriots. Uh, their tight end uh, last year. Let me see if I get the the right one because I don't want to give the wrong tight end. Uh, but uh, it's Cole Cole Johnny. Is that right? I'm not, I got I got to be saying it wrong. Uh, let me go through it real quick. Um, Johnny Smith, who they signed. Johnny Smith. Yep. Yes, signed yep. him for four years, fifty million dollars. Didn't have a great year. They signed a couple of tight ends that really didn't do uh, what the Patriots hoped they did. They're saying they may move him to fullback a lot more than they did last year in the I formation and at H back because mm-hmm. of his blocking skills. Uh, so instead of actually going out and getting the fullback, they may use him more. Uh, they showed, I was watching some videotape of him blocking. He's okay. He's not great, but he's okay. He's a decently blocker. Um, they still got to get some money's worth out of these tight ends uh, that they brought in last year. Yeah, Janu Smith was a huge disappointment. Hunter Henry um, developed a bit of a, a bit better relationship with Mac Jones as the season went on and had some productive games, but probably still didn't get what the Patriots expected out of him. I would expect that uh, production to increase this year with Mac Jones' continued development. But Janu Smith really would disappear in games. Um, and, and he was a huge disappointment. In fact, I believe the Patriots paid him more than they paid uh, uh, Hunter, Hunter Henry. He was a higher uh, uh, rated guy coming into uh, uh, or out of free agency, I should say. So this will be an interesting move. The Patriots like to use a, a fullback uh, more than, than some teams do. And this would be an interesting uh, development. I would still expect him to play some tight end as well. Um but I think it's a way for them to get a little bit more bang for their buck here. I, I, there was some talk that he'd be get cut altogether during the off season, but I'm sure there's cap implications there as well. So they're yeah, going to have to, you know, maximize uh, the production they can get from him. I mean, this comes back from the old Parcells playbook where their tight ends did a lot of blocking, trap blocking, yeah. Curtis yeah. Martin, 
and all those. And Belichick kind of kept it going, especially when we talked about Hernandez. He did a lot of that, too. Um, Gronk, too. You know, Gronk's been very very underrated through his career. He's a very good pass, uh, pass blocker as yeah. And pass blocker as well. Yeah, definitely, so. definitely. So uh, maybe Hanu can do a little bit more of that. Maybe his hands can come back to him, and and you guys do something. Uh, let's let's talk about the Yanks for a minute. The Yanks win last night. They shut out Tampa Bay with their real ace. Uh, it looks like Luis Severino, and he did what you want from a starting pitcher. You know, he shut him down. I think it was a, a two hit shutout for five innings. Struck out uh, the big Guerrero three times. Um, their catcher, uh, Trevino, uh, played good defensively as he's supposed to and also had a big hit driving in two runs. Now, a lot of people <laughs> off air call me, you know, uh, uh, a uh, Aaron Judge hater and a, a Eric Coleman hater. I'm really not. I, well, I say it case, Mac. I don't say it off air. <laughs> I want these guys really to do good. I want to do what they're getting paid for, what they want to get paid for. I think that you got to show me. And and right now, so far, Judge hasn't shown me too much. And Cole sure hasn't. And, you know, I don't want to hear he's, you know, three innings and he pitched great. He's not stretching. I don't hear any of that. That's not what Ace does. Ace stops the bleeding. Ace stops you from having a bad uh, losing streak. He, he, he's the guy that you have faith in to go up against their number one ace, not against their third and still lose. Mm-hmm. Severino was interesting to me. Because if he's 90% of what he was a couple years ago, he's a legitimate first pitcher in a rotation. So I asked Jack this kind of sarcastically. Do the Yankees have a pitching coach? Because I watched Cole pitch. And what batters do is they stay off the off his breaking balls. They stay mm-hmm. off the pitches that are kind of close. And they wait for him to throw that beautiful fat ball right in their wheelhouse. And not that Cole's a bad pitcher. I want, he throws hard. He's got he's got a little bit of uh, of pizzazz on his pitches. Maybe he's a little too emotional. Maybe he's a little too much insecure. I saw him wanting to go out of the dugout and fight. I mean, during during when they were getting on Severino uh, 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 for hitting one of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Put your butt back in the dugout. Stop acting like you're the you're the uh, badass. And just start concentrating on pitching. There's something off Keith with him. I don't know if it's in his delivery. Maybe he's not hiding the ball enough. Maybe I don't know what it is. But there's something just a little bit off about Cole that's not making him effective, especially in yeah. the early innings. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, should they be working? If they're not working with this guy, they're sure not keeping an eye on him because he's ready to go out there and fight the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, what are you yeah. doing? The pitching co- and again, I think this tends to happen sometimes with aces, perceived aces of staffs anyway, um, that they are left on their own more than some of the other guys. And the pitching coaches working with the you know the third, fourth, and fifth starters and the bullpen and 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 guys who are younger. And it doesn't mean these guys don't need coaching, right? If we wouldn't have coaches if they weren't. And I, and Matt Blake, I don't know. I mean, he he's a new pitching coach, obviously this year, um, and I haven't seen enough to really say um, good or bad. I mean, look at, you got good outings out of Cortez. You got good outings out of uh, uh, Severino. So he's doing something right there. Something needs to change with Garrett Cole. I agree. I think in my, in my mind, there's some mental block in his head about this whole spider tack thing. I don't think that was a key, the entire key to his success, but in his mind somewhere, he thinks he needs it 
And I think that's part of his problem right now. And he's got to get past that blocker. He's not going to be the pitcher the Yankees need him to be. Yeah. Guys, two outings, chill out. There's well, only a couple of outings. He hasn't, been, he hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been the pitcher you want in these two outings. But it's only two outings. It's not like Jack, he's we're talking. We're talking about last year too, Jack. We're not just talking about. He was runner up for the Cy Young Award Jack, last year. I don't year. care if he won the Cy Young Award. That's not what he's getting paid for to win the Cy Young Award. He's getting paid to be our ace, and right now and he's he not. He could be run up for the Cy Young Good. Award every Good. year of his contract. You'd be happy. I wouldn't, Jack, because he's not. You would not would. Anyone would. I would. Well, 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 then you'd be happy. Then you'd be happy with him pitching 12 and 10, 13 and 11. You'd be, I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy with that at all. There's something a little bit off about him. And it's he's been be off different. these two games. He's been off. Gosh. But my point is it's only a couple of games yet. Let, when he's has six, seven starts like this, then you start becoming a little more concerned. I think you fix it now. Go ahead. Good. I'm not crazy about some of the body language I see about him. Even early, you can see the frustration, and that can tend to build. I know it's only a couple of starts, right? But you're setting a tone now, and this can't continue into May, or then I'm going to see that there's a problem. And did, and did you see his reaction when he had to wait four minutes yeah. because of a rain delay? The other guy yeah. gets hit in the leg, and he pitches better than he does. I mean, come yeah. on, stop being a baby. Start start acting like the ace you're supposed to be. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was part of his problem. You know, he just Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. hits a couple of homers off him. Well, it wasn't part of Severino's problem, was it? He struck him out three times. Go I'll ahead. tell you, to touch on Severino real quick, uh, to get on a more positive note, um, by the way, that's the first time a starting pitcher is struck. The same pitcher is struck out Vlad three times yeah. in a game ever in his yeah. career. And Severino, if he's healthy, and I've said this for a long time, he's a key. If, 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 if he's healthy, the Yankees will have a better chance than I think they had this year. And he brings more than just, yeah. and I think yeah, this I last year when he came back, it's more than just what he brings as far as talent to the mound. The energy that he brings, one of my problems with his team is it lacks energy. It doesn't, they just seem like they're out there and they're not having fun. But when Severino's on the mound, there's emotion out there on the mound and it carries over to the other players. And that's something you can't dismiss. I would be a little more concerned, guys. You're talking about Cole, about Chapman. When you walk three batters like that, He's that's concerning when you can't find the plate. He, his velocity is up. That's the good news. The velocity is there. But when you can't find the plate and you're that erratic, remember what happened last year? He was good for like a couple of months early in the year, made the all-star team, then he couldn't get anyone out right before the all-star game. It was awful. This is, that goes back a couple of years. He's ha- he, he goes into these bouts where he – and you don't know when they're coming. That's the problem, right? You don't know when they're going to happen where he just can't find the plate. And yeah, I don't know what the answer is with him, but I think you're going to see, again, him not in that ninth inning spot if it continues as often as he has in the past. I agree with both of you there. Uh, Keith, thank you for coming on. We're going to let you go. Everybody watch, tune in, watch Keith on his uh, TGI Sports Talk program. He does three shows a week. Um, He also has a college uh, sports program. He does two on Wednesdays. I imagine it's turning all the way to football now. Um, 
does a great job. Has great, like I said, great people with him. So Keith, thanks for coming in. Um, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, um, we're going to be doing uh, your your first pick for the Patriots. Who do you think and why? We won't. De- we will debate you on that on that on that show. We're not going to be debate Byron because he's not on the Sunday show. We're just going to make okay. some picks. But you, we're going to see who you think and why. Well, Byron gets a pass. I got to defend my pick. I yes. I just want Keith very quickly before he goes off. Very quickly, Celtics and Nets. Who are you picking? I'm going to take the Nets. Mm-hmm. I, I think again, whatever. I think they'll get out of this round. I don't know if they'll go much further, but I think I'll take the Nets here against the Celtics. Okay. Well, we both disagree with you there. So that's okay. fine. Anyway. That's fine. All right, Keith. It's, believe me, it's not gonna it's not gonna kill me if they lose, but you put me on the yeah. spot on the Nets. Celtics <laughs> in six easily, Keith. Have oh, a great right. day. Celtics we'll, seven. Have we'll have see. a happy have a happy okay. Easter, Keith. We'll see you. You too, guys. Have a great weekend. Awesome. So there you go, folks. Keith Angle with TGI Sports Talk. A little bit about the Pats, a little bit about the Yankees, and a little bit about uh, the situation with young players in NFL, which we will talk to Pags a little bit about too when he comes in after the break. Uh, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Be back on the other side with the Philly sports guy himself, Jamie Pags. So stick with us. believes in getting food to your kids before they get to each other. Such good food, too. McDonald's famous French fries, triple thick creamy shakes, lean beefy cheeseburgers and hamburgers, icy cold soft drinks, and here's a plus, spill-proof lids on all beverages. Another plus, napkins that are big as a bib. Quality, cleanliness, extra care service, that's McDonald's. A total value that's unmatched anywhere. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. Schaefer, the one beer to have when you're having more than one? One reason is more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. 
We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just... And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when a message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. Hey, Jack, I want to fill, bring the Philly guys, the Philly sports guy up here, Pags, and, and, and carry on the conversation a little bit about young players who can't get out of their own way, who can't get out of the neighborhoods, and see what he's got to say. Because to me, this is a, a discussion that, there has to be more of. When do you start talking to these players more? Do you do it in high school? Is that your responsibility as a coach when you have a really outstanding player to say, hey, listen, you know, you've got some scholarships uh, lined up and you've got to start making some drastic changes in your life. Or is it in college where you're up there and they're treating you as a superstar? Should they be talking to you uh, more about, you know, your, your personal life uh, or say – as much about your personal life as they do about your playing career. Is this where they tell them, hey, you got to start turning the page? Pags, what do you think? I mean, you know, uh, Keith Joseph of the Dallas Cowboys cornerback has been named as a person of interest in a Dallas Cowboy murder. He's admits to being on the scene. There's video of him fighting this victim's uh, kids with his group of guys. So he's all involved in this. And whether he pulled the trigger or not, might be beside the point. He still could get charged with some charges. And, you know, Dallas is going to have to make a decision. What do you do with this guy? So, I mean, I know you being popular, Jack being a, a famous writer, you guys have had some kind of experience with people wanting stuff from you. Um, you know, just maybe former friends, maybe even family. But these kids getting their once-in-a-lifetime shot blowing it all because they want to go back to the old neighborhood and show they're a big shot or they do it out of guilt or because of friends. When do you think these kids should start being talked to? Well, 
first off, good morning, guys. Uh, they, uh, I, I think that they should have counseling almost on a weekly basis with these players. Uh, and especially when you're going through your first two, three years, I feel that teams really do not take enough initiative to make sure that the people uh, that they're that their players know all of the things that are available to them. I mean, you think about, think about the Raiders this year and, and that, you know, that rookie who wound up, you know, getting into a drunk driving accident, which is really unfortunate, you know, and, and, and besides the fact that yeah, he's got you're a about Henry Ruggs, who was going 156 miles per hour. Right. Yes. Well, and, and, yeah. and, and it's, yeah, it's all unfortunate. He caused you know? the accident. Yeah. Uh, of course yeah. he did. Of yeah. course he did. But however, it's sad. I feel I, it know, is sad, and it could have been avoided. Yeah. It could have been avoided, and it's unfortunate because you have these you know, these kids who come out and now all of a sudden are making millions of dollars, and you're gonna. I think you're gonna start to see this in colleges now, where because they're oh. starting to make money where they didn't before. The truth of the matter is, is that if uh, your family or friends come to you wanting something, they aren't really the people that you want them to be, that you want around you. Like you want to have, you know, none of my family who knows exactly what I do, uh, you know, very, very, very rarely will say, hey, listen, I'm trying to get to this game and, and I, I need some help getting there. You know, because they've they've exhausted what they've tried to do already. Uh, but uh, beyond that, they don't say, hey, listen, can you give me? Can you give me? Can you give me? And I feel that when you're younger, you know, and I'm saying like early 20s, when, when somebody says, give me, and because of, hey, remember back when we were 10 years old, you were riding your bike and I picked you up, you know, you fell and I, I picked you up and I, I put some mud on your knee and you were great after that. You know what I mean? That, 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 you know, we were blood brothers after that. So you owe me, you know, the, you know anybody who kind of says that really doesn't deserve anything from you. You want to, you should want to be able to do this out of your own goodwill, not because somebody's asking for it. Well, and Pags, I feel me, that that's what's lost a little bit. Well, Pags, Going let, me put, to, let me put you in a situation, right? You get drafted by a, a, a professional sports team. You're scared. I don't care what they say. You're scared. You're going to a new environment. You're playing at a level where if you mess up, you're going to you, you make a cut. You may not make all that money. You could be a bust. You're now you're nationwide known, right? But back home, that doesn't matter that much. I mean, you, you feel more comfortable. You, you've been there. You were popular then. You had friends because you were popular. And I think players, young players, gravitate to that for not only because, you know, they may be guilted into it, because it's, it's, it's comfortable. They know that situation. They have no idea. And the NFL provides them with mentors. They provide them with programs. They do this. But I still think the, the, the young men, I, I don't want to call them kids anymore because they're over 18, are – are, are feel more comfortable there, are more scared in a new situation. This may be the first time that they ever been out of their household as far as a place to live. And I think that it has to be done at the college level or even the high school level when you know these guys are going to be recruited that, hey, you know, this here is, is now a, a chapter in the book that you've got to turn the page to 
And you, instead of celebrating them and celebrating their popularity and you're here and you're an all-star and we love you, and that feels good. And the NFL is not like that. The NFL, now you have a job. It's a, it's a, it's a total wake-up call for a lot of these young kids that are from bad neighborhoods in some cases, some cases not. But it's a big change in their life. It's like when you first leave home, right? Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of adjustments to make with your friends and what you expect. And you're a little scared if you want to be honest, right? Can I do this? So I think that has a lot to do with it. I know my friend here. I don't know who this guy is. You know, I got to compete with this guy for a job or maybe he's going to screw me over. This guy was there when I was a kid and, and we were out hanging out. And I think this is part of it. And I think if you don't start getting to them earlier, then when they become to change their whole life, this is when they get scared. And I think if you really want to impact that kid, it's either going to be at a high school level or the college level where they start talking to them about the change of life that they're going to go through. You know, it's funny. As, as you're saying this, I, I, I have this vision in my head. I feel like all athletes are put on the pedestal. And the ground underneath that pedestal is downhill. So the further that you go backwards in terms of going back home and such like that, that you are much higher on the pedestal than where you are. Like, like I said, with the NFL, everybody's on the pedestal. So it's all like a level playing field. But as you're going down backwards, like so you go back to college, well, that pedestal is a lot higher because you made it professional. You go back to high school, well, now it's even more high because, again, you were able to get through college and now in the professionals and doing that. Now you're going back to elementary school and kids where you're growing up with your high school friends. Well, that you're so elevated in comparison to everything else, and they talk to you like that. So it becomes almost like you have – uh, this, you know, you know, this godlike complex because your friends look at you so much differently because you've made it. Now, it's not all friends. You know, the, I, I would say it's actually your closest friends, you know, in most cases don't feel that way. But the ones that are more fringe, the ones that have kind of knew you then and you guys had some times and maybe party together or hung out together for a little while, they're the ones that are going to really look up to you because they're at the same level as they were before. And you are now so far elevated from that. And I feel that when, when they're writing these contracts to these players, obviously you're not able to spend that player's money for them, but they should have things in the, in their, these contracts where, listen, we require you to meet with somebody on a weekly basis just so that you can have somebody one to release to, to, to be able to uh, give like a verbal diary of what's going on in your life so that you could keep ahead of what's coming. Like if you start to see some writing on the wall or start to see a decline in, in what's happening in your life, you have it documented. These people, these kids, and we're, I'm calling them kids just because they're under 26 years old. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's mostly the rookies that are in there. They have no <clears throat> control of what's going on around them in the most cases. They are thrown into different situations because of the people that are around them. And Jack mentioned hiring a mentor for the team. That's all he does. And that's not a bad idea. I don't know if the team. Well, and I agree. I, in fact, you can't just have one. 
you have to have like four or five because there's always different egos. And truth of the matter is, is that when you have just one person, that, I mean, there's 68 people on a team, 53 players, 15 on a practice squad. That's a yeah. lot to manage. You would almost want to have, I, I think, you know, 10 you know, one person deals with 10 players because ultimately sometimes you're going to have a person that's not going to deal with the player well, and you got to switch it off. So you can't have, you can't have just one person do it all because he, that one person is not going to be liked by everybody. Yeah. I, but I, I, I firmly believe that, I mean, the, the teams are spending so much money on everything else, you know, that to have to spend $1 million for seven people, to take care of the locker room. And that's all they're doing is, is they are creating, they are creating the wall that these players are talking to. You know what I mean? It's just like, cause it's, you don't, that's like, that's a very safe space. It's something where they're able to share any frustrations, any anger, any happiness, you know, that they just want to be able to release. Hey, listen, I know myself just living my own life. I don't talk to many people about my personal stuff. I choose not to. I'm a guy and that's hard just in general because, you know, nobody seems to care if you have a problem and, you know, people, you know, and if you, if you do find somebody that cares, they're just waiting for their turn to talk. Yeah, and so sorry, ultimately, right. ultimately I feel that these teams need to take a little bit more initiative to be able to help these players and they can, you know, but they do have all of these other resources available. If a player wants financial guidance, that that's offered by the team and offered by the NFL. It, you know, most of these players don't even take it. Yeah. Obviously they have the, you know, you call anywhere in the world that you're at. If you need to get picked up and brought somewhere, they will do that for you. Anywhere yeah. in the world, you can be in Bali and say, I need to get grabbed and they work it out for you. Yeah. You know, now you, it's, you know you know, I, I mean, I, I agree with Jack and I, I agree with you to a large extent, but I also think the college has got to get involved. If you look at you look at Hernandez with the Patriots, Urban Meyer knew he was trouble. He was in trouble then. He was hanging out with the wrong people then. Urban Meyer should have pulled him to the side or one of the coaches or somebody in the staff and said, listen, you keep this up, we're going to have to let you go. I mean, this should have been Urban Meyer maybe needed his own counseling. That's a good point. That's a good point. Too, well, and, and and you think about that. You think about what counseling helped him then. Well, maybe well, the, you know, the, the problem the, is, maybe, is that he was you know, above Pags, maybe the threat, maybe the threat of him getting his scholarship taken away and the word getting out of how he was. Maybe that might have helped him. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not in the end and wouldn't have. But it's just something I think that should be considered. So let's let's get a little bit of uh, uh, Philly sports in here. The Phillies lose four to three to Miami uh, last night. Uh, starting pitcher, uh, if I'm reading this right, Kyle Gibson, uh, not any relationship to Kurt, uh, gave up four runs in four innings. Uh, not what you're expecting from I don't want your starting pitchers against a Miami team you guys should beat. Uh, of course, any team could get beat in any day. Uh, I, I think you were at the game. Uh, any thoughts? Uh, I wasn't at that game. Oh, okay. I, I was at the previous six before that. Uh, Miami's had Philly's number forever, it seems, and it doesn't matter. Uh, we could be on a 12-game winning streak. We'll go down to Miami and, and get swept. 
I, I don't know what it is about Miami. That too early, too early, Pax. Bryce Harper. Oh, 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 I, I, without a doubt in my it's mind. It gets moving. Yeah. Without a doubt in my mind. I, I uh, There are people already in Philadelphia that are like, oh, we're having a problem with pitching. They're not hitting the ball. I'm like, listen, they always start a little soft. The bats do not get hot until like late June, July. And we're going to score a ton of runs. Every team. Every major league baseball team wins 60 and loses 60. It's what happens with those other 40 that makes the biggest difference in baseball. And I'm telling you, I feel like that I have not put, I maybe put one loss so far into that 40. The two nothing loss uh, the other night on Saturday nights. I feel like that. I felt like the, you know, and even the nine six, I guess more of the nine six because. They had bases loaded, no outs, and first and third, no outs in the first and third inning against uh, Scherzer and did not score a run. And you cannot do that against that type of elite pitching. And that's that's part of what happens. So ultimately, you know, that's true about what you say, 40 40, unless you're the San Francisco Giants and the LA Dodgers. Yeah, they didn't, neither team lost 60. Uh, We're still on baseball, but we'll make this quick. The big news to me, will the Flyers get out of last place? They're one point behind the Devils. Is anyone talking about that at all, them not getting out of last place? Make it quick because I know I cut into Max, you know, next question. No. I'm the only one thinking about I, it. I, I, I want them and to it's get – It's on my mind. Okay. Yeah, no, and I, I would rather them lose. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I Obviously, they're not going to try to lose, but I would rather them not – get above the devils. I would rather them get as many lottery balls as they can and try to get that first pick as best they can. I feel that there has been a number of times where they have had the worst record and have lost the lottery. And of course it always seems that when the flyers are down, so is Chicago and I can't stand it because Chicago always seems to win the lottery and and the flyers are always number two. And I'm hoping that this year is a little different where the Flyers can get the number one pick because the difference between number one and number two in, in the NHL draft is massive. You got Mac mad at me now, yeah? You're giving a detailed great answer, Pax, but you got Mac mad at me. Not at all. Not at all. I just, I, just, I just love how you like to razz him about the uh, – the uh, Flyers every time he's on, and and just hey, you know what? I dealt with a lot of Rangers fans. You know, the Mets were in town, and there was a lot of Rangers fans. A lot of people doing double duty that they went to the yeah. Phillies Mets game and then went to the Rangers game afterwards. And it's rare that I am friendly with Rangers fans. However, yes. I had you know, I we had one thing in common. I told them all that we want them. I want them to beat the hell out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, Raptors coming in, playing the 76ers this weekend. Um, I think that Philly will beat the Raptors in the end. I think I think the, uh, the Phillies team is just a little bit more talented than them. I think, this is my prediction, Pags, Massey wins game seven for y'all. Uh, Embiid will be strong as he is. Harden will have his, have, his, have his games. The Raptors will give you all kinds of trouble. I think Massey in game seven wins it for you. I don't even think it goes game seven. Okay. I think I, I, even though, even though Toronto has had our number for a little while, uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's 
going to go in Toronto's head. And I think that the Sixers aren't going to let up. I feel that the Sixers win this in five. It's wow. funny because I hear I hear you hear everything from Shaq saying sweep and most of Philadelphia saying six or seven. I'm saying five. I think that I think that they win the first two. I feel that they lose game three up in Toronto. They figure it out for game four and they just take it in game five. Uh, and they rest up a second because I feel like the other series is going to go six or seven. Uh, all the other series, all of them are in the East. So I well, feel I like Bucks, the I think the Bucks. Are gonna, I disagree. The Bucks. I mean, I think the Sixers. Oh, the Bucks are. Oh, the Bucks are playing the Bulls. Yeah, forget yeah. that. That goes four. Yeah, yeah, that's a sweep almost. Um, I, I I don't know, Pags. I know you're confident, uh, and and I think the Raptors give you guys a bunch of trouble and and matchup problems, and I think uh, the Raptors. Are a good basketball team, pretty underrated in my opinion. And uh, the 76ers have to win this. They will win this in the end because they just got a little bit more. They got a lot more talent than the Raptors, to be honest with you, at this point in their in their team's history. But uh, I don't know, Pags. I, I think 76ers win, but I think I don't think it's going to be that easy. We'll see. We'll see. You also thought that we weren't going to win nine games this year, so. Yeah, but that's two different um, I'll sports. I'll just take that with a That's two different sports, <laughs> Two different sports, man. Uh, yeah, usually when I make a prediction, well, I'm right. James Harden, is he ready? Is he really ready? Is he in peak form? That's the question. If James, if we see the best of James Harden, yeah, the Sixers win. If you're not, he has to be ready. This is it. It's showtime now. It's the playoffs. No ifs and buts. He's had enough time to peak for this James Harden since coming to the Sixers and. I think they'll get it done at the end. I don't share your confidence of an easy series. I think the chemistry is better with the Raptors, but of course the Sixers have the more than the impact players, and that's going to be the difference. I, I, I'm not going to say it's easy. I, I would, I would most likely say that I would take the Raptors in points in all of the games because I feel like it's going to be that closely contested of a game. I just believe that the Sixers are going to wind up winning these games. And I think that it's not, you know, it's going to be a tough series, but it's not going to be, it's not going to look like it on paper. Okay. Like I said, I think that the five wins are going to be very strongly contested wins. And I even expect that even the loss that the Sixers have may even be like a blowout type of loss that, but I feel that the Sixers are going to wind up taking the series and it's not going to look again on paper as like it was as tough a series as as it you know nice. would appear. Definitely seen them before. Pags, anything else you got going on you want to talk to us about besides chugging beer? Uh, so uh, obviously uh, you see that I'm in the Eagles autism you know challenge shirt from last year. Uh, after I get off of this, I am putting the makeup on. I, I'm doing the 30 days of face paint. So it's uh, today is what's today the 16th or the 15th, something like that. It's uh, it's been. It, it yeah it's the 15th so it's been 15 days uh, the days are starting to run together now uh and you know obviously i was at the phillies games you know and uh you saw that i may have started a new uh business uh you know high fly phone service uh for the mets fan who lost his phone uh got thrown out into the field if anybody is a big fan of barstool sports it seems like that video went viral uh <laughs> where i just happened to be there you know it's you know i'm like visa everywhere you want to be so yes. that's uh, <laughs> yeah, doing you know, that. I, I, thought, I thought that was a bicycle 
competition shirt you were wearing there. I didn't know. So you- this is this is what happens when you get raise a certain amount of money. I don't ride a bike at right. all. So right. that, that's, but I did get a shirt because I did raise enough money last year. Well, and this year I'm trying to, you know, get over that. You know, we, I raised $8,600 last year. Uh, I'm trying to get over $10,000 this year. And, and you probably get a nice looking hat for that pack, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get a picture with, I get a picture with Mr. Lurie and I get a little closer to, you know, where they make the picks for the draft. So go. we're going to have, we're going to have literally, you know, on the scene footage uh, of what's going on uh, right at the draft. You so know, who would have thought of the four major sports in Philly, you mentioned the draft, Nick Seriani is the safest that might be out of all four coaches. Even if they don't make the playoffs next year, they're trending in the right direction. If the Phillies don't make the playoffs, I still think Joe Girardi's back as the manager. But it's well, not a it, lot. It's not that's going to. I was going to say that's going to depend on how the season goes. Right, right. I mean, probably Doc Rivers. What's his cutoff point? If he loses to Toronto, is he out? Yes. Uh, absolutely. And, okay. Absolutely. They beat loses, loses in the second how round. Why does he have to go? If he loses in the next round, I, I, I think he's got to make. I think he's got to make the conference finals. I think he they have the to make the finals. finals. He, sta- he stays. I, I think it's more likely that he stays. If he is, if he's so severely outcoached in the conference finals, then you have to really take a serious consideration because ultimately we have enough now on our book to watch and see exactly what's going on uh, with him. And Pat, I, I'm going to throw you for loop. I'm going to throw you for loop now. Let's talk positive. The Sixers win the NBA title. Does he get a, a four or five year extension? Extension, Doc Rivers. Forget about firing him if they win the NBA championship. Well, I hope not four or five years. I hope they would be smart <laughs> enough to. Win the NBA title, you yeah, want- you know what? I'm not. I'm not of the belief that hey, I'm going to sell my soul for a championship now and have ten years of direct <laughs> later. That's not how I do though. things. That's not how I do things. Uh, I would much Aaron rather. Boone to have a five-year extension if the Yankees can win the title. Okay, well, I mean that, that's the that. Yankees. That's the Yankees, and they have made a lot of mistakes well, since Steinbrenner, five, yes, since George Seniors has been out of office. You know what I mean? So since he passed this, away. Even if he delivers an NBA championship, you you basically want him out. Uh, I didn't say I want him out. I just said that I don't want him signed for five years. I I wouldn't mind him getting an extension for three years. I feel like maybe that would be worth a championship is worth another three years. I agree with that wholeheartedly i i don't think that it's worth five years because it's what have you done for me lately and in three years time if they're direct because you know because of some of the decisions that he has made and he has made some you know i feel like he has made some really bad decisions as a coach and until those decisions get rectified because he continues to make them over and over and over again I feel that there may be someone better suited to coach this team. Now, winning a championship changes a lot, obviously. So uh, I would be okay for a three-year extension. Five years, uh -uh. I ain't interested in that. Make sure you get us back there. You Now, if you won the championship, you better go back and at least try to get to the conference finals and back to the finals again the following year. You don't go in there and then be like, oh, well, we won the finals last year. Now we're... Pags, 
Listen, uh, one more question for you before we leave, because Jack will go on forever if I let him. Um, the uh, the uh, draft is coming up, as you mentioned. Next Sunday, when you come on, I want your first two picks for the Eagles and why. We'll all have our first two picks for the Eagles, too. Uh, me, Jack, and Do Jim. they have to actually be the players? Yes, they have to be the players. I want. You I can't to know just why. say, "Hey, this is a yeah." I want this type of player or this type nope, of player. No, nope. I want to know the player and why. It's an awful lot of homework for somebody who goes to all these games. I got, I got some. So I got the playoffs to go to. I got Phillies to go to. Bring, bring, bring your, bring your, bring your tablet with you, Pags. Uh, while you're there, you got your work cut out for you. It's that time of year. Yes. Right. So maybe, we maybe your- I'll just make it myself, make myself simple. Hey, they trade the first two picks to get to the number two pick, and they take uh, they take uh, the guy from Michigan. Well, there you go. And he can't be the guy either. The Hutchinson is going number one. There we go. Perfect. I knew he was going to say his name for me. Okay, so there you <laughs> go. But, but have it ready in Y-Pass because when you're doing the draft show and they pick the same guy you pick or they pick two different picks, it'll be fun. All right? So, yes, uh, I, all right, Pax. Yeah, so I'm, great, I'm great, ready for that. Have a great day, a great uh, holiday weekend. We'll see you on Sunday. And again, the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags, all over TikTok, all over Philadelphia sports. Pags, have a great day, my friend. Happy Easter, guys. Thanks, thanks. So there you go, folks, the Philly sports guy. Uh, Jack loves to, to talk uh, a lot of stuff to him, which I enjoy immensely. Uh, folks, thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with our uh, Mac and Jack debate show with special guests. Paul Semeninger, a doctor, not a surgeon, a doctor in education. He'll be on as we go through the hottest, old, new topics in sports. Have a great Friday night, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.